Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Pastor Derek Dunn, lead pastor of Alive Church, Orange County. To find out more about Alive Church or Pastor Derek, please visit alivechurchoc.org or derekdunn.org. You can also follow us on your favorite social media platform at Alive Church OC or Derek Dunn OC. God today. The title of my message is The Glory of the House. I want to say The Glory of the House. And uh, really, as we, we look at the house of God, what is the house of God? What is the church? It's called the temple. Uh, it was the tabernacle in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we know that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But we still have church, the church that we come together and we meet. It's a place of, of believers, and we're all part of the capital C, the church, uh, with Jesus ahead of. But then why are there individual churches? Because God's bringing together people of like-minded, like heart, like vision, that work, like to worship in a certain way. You know, if you don't like the drums, this probably isn't the church for you. If you only like the organ, there's churches like that out there. It's not wrong or good, but, uh, you know, we resonate with the style of worship. We resonate with the people. We resonate with the, the leaders and the vision. And that's why we join a church. There's many great churches out here in Orange County. We're not the only one, um, but we're called to do what we're called to do and do our part in the kingdom. And so the church is supposed to be a place where we don't just come and get entertained or we don't just come and get information, but it's a place where we encounter God. It's a place where his glory is present. So we want to talk about that today. So I want to look at an Old Testament example of King Solomon. And as he built the, the temple of God, they were getting ready to dedicate the temple of God. And so we know that Moses uh, had a download from God about the tabernacle. They built the tabernacle. We call it the tent of meeting. And in the Old Testament, it was in the center of the village, basically, where they were at. And uh, there was a cloud of, 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 above them. And so there was a pillar of fire at night, a cloud during the day. It kept them uh, cool during the day. And it kept them warm at night. And when the cloud would move, which was symbolic of the presence of God, they would tear down the temple, they would pack it up, and they would move with the cloud. And when the cloud stopped moving, they would set it all up again. Now, when David became the king of Israel and they were established as a nation, uh, David was, was very grateful to God for God building his house. He was wealthy. He came as a shepherd boy. You know, most theologians believe he was a bastard son. That's why when they asked for the sons, they never asked David to come. He was out there, uh, you know, when the prophet came, Samuel, and uh, he said, bring the sons. And he went one by one. And the Lord said, nope, 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 nope. He said, do you have any other sons? He said, well, actually, you know, and, and he hadn't called for David. So David comes and he gets anointed as king. We know what the story, and now he's the king of Israel. He, the, the nation is flourishing. All the enemies are being defeated. The spoils of the enemy is coming, and David's doing pretty good. Yeah. David's prospering. But David loved God, and so in his heart, he said, how can I be building my house when, that, when God doesn't have a house? And so he said, I want to build God a house. And so they began to ask the people to give, and they began to give, and they came in, and they built God a great house. They built God a great temple. And it was exceedingly great where the queen of Sheba came. And when she came and she looked at the temple that was eventually built, she stood in awe and, and was speechless, the Bible says. You know, we have the seven wonders of the world today, and, and I've been to some of those and we look at the beauty and the awe, but the house of God was something extraordinary, abundant, and beautiful. Yeah. And so that was David's heart, but David didn't get to build the house. 
because David was a warrior, and so he raised the money for the house, but his son Solomon, who became king, began to build the house. We know Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. If you want to be wise, build God's house. Amen. And so here we see they built the house of God, and they're having their dedication service. And in this verse of Scripture, we see what's prophetic of what the house of God is supposed to be. So can we jump into the Word of God today? Amen. I just want to lay that foundation for those that might not be so familiar. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 12, it's okay we look at the Word of God today, all right? I want to read this. It's a little long, but then I'm going to break it down, and we're going to stick with this today, all right? So 2 Chronicles 6 and verse 12, it says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord. In front of the entire community of Israel. And he lifted his hands in prayer. And Solomon had made a bronze platform. And it gives the, the dimensions of the platform. And it said, and he placed it at the center of the temple's outer court. And he stood on the platform. And then he knelt in front of the entire community of Israel. He lifted up his hands towards heaven. And he prayed, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in all the heaven and all the earth. You keep your covenant and you show unfailing love to all who walk before you in wholehearted devotion. You kept your promises to your servant David, my father. You made the promise with your own mouth and with your own hands you fulfilled it today. And now, O oh Lord, God of Israel, carry out the additional promise you made to your servant David, my father. For you said to him, if your descendants guard their behavior and faithfully follow my law as you have done, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Now, O Lord, God of Israel, fulfill the promise to your servant David. But will God really live on earth among people? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I built. Nevertheless, listen to my prayer and my plea, O Lord my God. Hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is making to you. May you watch over this temple day and night, this place where you have said you have put my name. May you always hear the prayers I make towards this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray towards this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live and when you hear, forgive. If someone wrongs another person and is required to take an oath of innocence in front of your altar at this temple, then hear from heaven and judge between your servants, the accuser and the accused. Pay back the guilty as they deserve. Acquit the innocent because of their innocence. If your people, Israel, are defeated by their enemies because they have sinned against you, and if they turn back and acknowledge your name and pray to you here in this temple, hear from heaven and give the sin of your people, Israel, and return them to the land and give that you gave to them and to their ancestors. If the skies are shut and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you and they pray towards this temple and acknowledge your name and turn from their sins because you have punished them, then hear from heaven. Forgive their sins and the servants and your people Israel. Teach them to follow the right path and send rain on your land that you've given to your people as their special possession. If there's famine in the land or plague or crop or disease or attacks or locusts or caterpillars or your people's enemies are in the land and they're besieged in their towns, whatever disaster or disease is there and your people, Israel, pray about their troubles or sorrow, raising their hands towards this temple, then hear from heaven where you live and forgive. Give your people what their actions deserve, for you alone know each human heart. Then they will fear you and walk in your ways as long as they live in the land you have given their ancestors. In the future, let foreigners who do not belong to your people, Israel, that they will hear you, that they will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm, and when they 
Pray towards this temple. Hear from heaven where you live and grant what they ask of you. And this way, all the people of the earth will come to know and fear you, just as your own people Israel do. They too will know the temple I have built honors your name. If your people go out from where you send them to fight enemies, and if they pray to you by turning towards the city you've chosen, towards this temple I have built to honor your name, then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their cause. If they sin against you, and who has never sinned, you might become angry with them and let the enemies conquer them and take them captive to a foreign land far away or near. But in the land of exile, they might turn to you in acceptance and pray, we've sinned, we've done evil, and we've acted wickedly. If they turn to you with their whole heart and soul in the land of their captivity and pray toward the land which your ancestors have given, towards the city you've chosen, and towards this temple I have built to honor your name, you will hear from heaven and their petitions from heaven where you live and uphold their cause. Forgive your people who've sinned against you. Oh my God, may your eyes be open. Let your ears be attentive to the prayers made in this place. And now arise, O Lord God, and enter your resting place along with the ark, with the symbol of your power. May your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. May your loyal servants rejoice in your goodness, O Lord. And do not reject the king you have anointed. And remember your unfailing love with your servant David. Father, we just thank you for the wonderful time of praise and worship. We thank you for your word. We thank you for, God, what you've desired to be a habitation of God. As you've spoken through Paul in Ephesians, that the church would be a place where your presence, where your glory is, that your church will be a place where, God, you manifest your goodness, that, God, all of the, the people in the world would see your church and know that there is a God in heaven, Lord. So, Father, as we come to you, bless the preaching of your word. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... So we see the temple here, and it begins to give us uh, different aspects of, of what Solomon was believing God for in the temple. Now we know in the New Testament, you know, things, some things stay the same in the, from the old to the new, but things as we come through the cross, things change. So we know that Jesus, he tore the veil from the temple, so his presence is not just stuck in a building. And the Bible says we now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you've received Jesus, you've invited the Holy Spirit into your life, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead, it lives on the inside of you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, say, you're the temple. And so God is not limited to a building. He wants to get out of the building. He doesn't want to be stuck in a box. Are you here? But yet at the same time, God's idea is still for the church or the temple, the place to come where people would come together and worship. Paul says, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints in worship, in prayer, and coming together as many are doing in the last day. So there's still a congregating together. Are you here? And so we see the early church, what would they do? They would meet from house to house. They would come and they would worship. They would come and pray. They would meet together among the rest and, and they would come together and they would do that in the temple courts and the gates. And, and we see synagogues being built. There were still places where they would come together. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst of you. And you look at churches, I travel through Europe and different parts of the world, you look at the church, and the church, you've heard me preach this, is, is this, like the city set up on a hill. Wherever you go into a city, you look to the highest hill, that's where the church is. So as people are struggling, they're looking and they pray to God, when they lift up their eyes, the church was there and you saw a cross. 
you see the magnificent churches. You see it's like the city of refuge where people can come in that are broken. Criminals can come in. People that have been condemned by the law can come in. And if you made it to the church, it was a place of refuge where you could find forgiveness, where you could find health, where you could find healing. And the same is true today. And so we look at the early church. They would go in and they would tear down the temples that were there. And they would put crosses on them and they would, would change them and sanctify them and make them churches. Are you here? And it was a place where the people would look and salvation would come. And they built God great houses. I've been to many of the churches. You look and there's gold ceilings and priceless artifacts and beauty that was there that people would come. Why? Because they wanted to give God their best. And the church was exceedingly magnificent, just like the temple was in the Old Testament. And so God is not against buildings. Come on, this building is not the church when it's empty. But when we're here and the presence of God is here and we carry the presence of God and we come together, there's a corporate presence and God comes and he's here in the midst of us. You know, during COVID, people would say that, oh, you know, there's not going to be church anymore. From now on, church is just going to be online and all of that. And the fact is, that's not true. We see everyone came back to church. We were open during COVID and we grew. We exploded because people, people came to church because there was no churches that were open. They were looking for a place to worship. And come on, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of plagues and diseases, it's, it's a, we need to come to the church and be able to pray. The church doesn't sleep. Amen. The church is always active regardless of what's happening. And so God's idea is to build the church, the capital C, but, which is the church at large, but little churches within the church that come together with a function, that come together with a people that are united around a vision, we're united around worship, we're not around the, uh, the presence of God, and we, do, we have our marching orders in the church as he's the head of the church. Why are they different churches? Because we have different distinctives, we have different flavors. Come on, how many of you are glad there's more than one flavor of ice cream? Not everybody likes vanilla, not everybody likes chocolate. Different strokes for different folks, all right? But we still have the same God, it's the same word, the same spirit, but so on. Some churches, they wear collars. Some churches, they have the organ. Some churches, just an acoustic guitar. Some churches, you know, they have what, like what we have, lighting, and it's more, depending on the flavor, the style, and it attracts different people. But we all worship the same God. Are you here? And so the church, God's idea for the church is the church would be a place, a resting place for the glory of God. And so we see after Solomon prayed in 2 Chronicles 7 in verse 1, it said, when Solomon finished praying that long prayer that I read to you, it said, fire flashed down from heaven. It burnt up the burnt offerings and sacrifice, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not... Enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell down on the ground and they worshiped and they praised the Lord saying, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. That's the picture of the church. When we come together, what happens is we come and we offer up our praise. We offer our, our, our worship that the glory of God fills the house. And I love that we're people of faith and we move in, in the level of the supernatural through our faith and believing God and standing on his word. But then there's another level. There's the anointing. When God is present and we've spent time with God, there's an anointing. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He was anointed to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out devils. Come on, when you spend time with Jesus, he rubs off on you. Yeah. Come on, he changes you. Yeah. 
And, and people look, fishermen who are uneducated, say, they scratch their head and say, what's up with these fishermen? They're uneducated men, but they could tell they've been with Jesus. Come on, when you go to work, when you go to school, when you show up for Thanksgiving or Christmas, does your family, does your colleagues, do people at school know you've been with Jesus? That's called, what the church is called. We're called to carry the presence of God everywhere we go. But when we come together, come on, we're all carrying the fire of God. We're all coming in the prayer of God, that, the presence of God. That presence is magnified. And what happens? We move beyond anointing into the glory of God. And I love it. I love the glory of God where what worship gets off the stage and gets on the people. We forget about the song lyrics. We forget about what's being played. And we're just worshiping God and in the presence of God and encountering God. And his presence is there. We've seen times of worship where people come in and they're delivered in the presence of God. Oppressions on them. They're depressed. They're struggling with fear. And that fear lifts off of them. In the presence of God. We've had people, they've been healed. They come up after the service and say, wow, during worship just now, I couldn't even stand. I was having such pain. As I worshiped God, God healed me and the pain is totally gone. And nobody even prayed for them. No one even laid hands on them. When we lay hands, we're moving in the anointing. But God shows up and people encounter God. I've seen people in the glory of God that get instantly delivered from addiction. It doesn't happen for everybody. Sometimes we got to walk it out by faith. But I've seen the anointing of God come and people just hate their drugs. And come on, they got a taste of the most high God and they don't want to have any downers. And come on and, and deal with the, the downing of addiction. Come on. The Bible says, taste and see the Lord is good. I've seen people that, that were addicted 25 years to nicotine, smoking. If you have an issue with smoking, we're not here to condemn you. But come on, in that day, they took their cigarettes and stomped on them and put it under their feet and left and never had a desire for a cigarette again. People with sexual addictions, people with, with struggling in their life, set free by the power of God. Come on, he's still a healing Jesus. He's still a deliverer. And again, sometimes we got to walk out our faith. It doesn't always happen that way. But God is still a miraculous God. Sometimes God will meet with people. We're going to be preaching in, in Miwok uh, uh, Village up in, in Northern California in the first weekend of the year. And they started the church with a bunch of addicts because all the addicts were going up to the mountain to get, smoke, do drugs. And the church became known, if you can't get free and you're struggling with addiction, show up for this church because word of life will get you free. And they would pray and they would find people in the restaurants and they lay hands and they take authority of that and the people would get hit with the power of God. And come on, the senior pastor right now used to be a drug addict. He got saved. He came in an encounter with the power of God and he's the senior pastor of the church that just transitioned to his, son, uh, his daughter-in-law, uh, daughter and son-in-law. It was the power of God. People know you want to go up on the mountain. It's not up there to just get high. It's up there to meet with the most high God. And if you come in an encounter with God, come on, it transforms your life. That's the church. It's not just about enticing words. Paul said the gospel is not about enticing words. And we teach the word of God. I prepare whoever's up here. We want to bring a word and make sure we're prepared and we're not just up here talking nonsense. But it's not all our philosophy or our theology that's changing everyone, someone. Every person has their theology. Every religion has their theology. Someone said this, all religions preach good. That's true. If you really look at it, I've read different religions, their books. I've read the Koran. I've read the teachings of Buddha. I've read all those things. Why? Because I want to know what they believe. 
But this is not just a book. This is a relationship with a living God that's alive. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And come on, he invades our world. And the church has gotten away. We come in and we have our 45-minute service, our one-hour service, and we think we can do church better than God can. And we're trying to just entertain people, but there's no encounter with God. There's no power of God. There's no altar call. There's no laying on of hands. Come on. One of the foundations of faith is laying on of hands. That was with water baptism. Come on. That's with the gospel of salvation. Why would God put that in there? Because it's about transference of power. Come on. When you plug into the socket, there's power, power to heal, power to deliver. As the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, what does he say? You receive power. The word power is dunamis. Come on, look and smile at your neighbor. Do they got some dynamite in their eyes today? That's what it means. You should have dynamite. When you show up, pop. Things are happening. They said, whoa, am I if I don't preach the gospel? Come on, are you saved? I've had people preach to me. I love it. And I just, I don't tell them I'm pastor. I don't tell them I'm saved. I just let them preach. But as they're preaching to me, I love it. And then finally, I'm like, that was awesome, man. I'm, I love Jesus too. Like, oh, man, I was hoping I could get you saved today. And they go look for someone else. Are we looking? That's how they were. The early church was looking. Who, who, who can we begin to share the good news with? Who can we begin to, to bring out of darkness and into light? Who can we pray for? Who's sick? Come on. When they're sick, we all want to take a number and pray for them. Hey, oh, let me pray first. Because I want to see somebody get healed. Who can I prophesy over? Who can I give a word of encouragement to, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, whatever God's gifted us with, and, and we're out there, come on, wanting to, to bring the power of God and the reality of God to people. That's the church. If we're not living that life, come on, we need to get connected to the power. Yes. It's not just about words or philosophy. And I know some people, they know all the word, but they have no power in their life. The scribes and Pharisees were that way. They knew all the word. They kept all the law. But Jesus said, you're whitewashed tombs. You got it all together on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. And people even mocked the power of God. And mocked God, the Holy Spirit. Said, oh, that's not God. It's a demon. They did the same to Jesus when he cast out demons. Oh, you must be doing it by the power of Beelzebub. But come on, we need to get back to the church. Where what, What's our goal? When we come to church, it's not just to meet our friend. It's not just get entertained. But come on, we're hungry for the presence of God. I'm here for an encounter. I'm here to meet with Jesus. I can't, can't get enough of Jesus. I'm addicted to Jesus. And I need my fix. I need my touch. I need to be filled. And I can take that. And as we go out, we carry the presence of God to a lost and dying world. Come on. Come on. Somebody help me preach this morning. Amen. Come on. Turn your neighbor and say, welcome to a live church. Amen. What is the church that God is looking for? Four characteristics that we see here. And this is what qualifies us to be a house. Just because there's a steeple on a building doesn't make it a church. There's some huge cathedrals that are dead and empty and full of dust. I've been to them. They're monuments to a move of God of the past. But God doesn't want us to be a monument. God doesn't want us to be a museum. Come on. God wants us to be alive and full of power and moving and present revelation and what God is doing. Four characteristics of the house. And this is the house that God will bless. As your leaders, as your pastors and our team, this is our heart. What do we want to be? Number one, the church must be a house of prayer. In 2 Chronicles 6, verse 12, Solomon stood before the altar in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted up his hands and prayed. 
What was he doing? Part of prayer is consecration. And he consecrated. We present our lives before God. We say, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, use me. I'm not perfect, but come on. If you can use a donkey, you can use me. If you can speak through a donkey, can you speak through me? We consecrate ourselves to the Lord. In Isaiah 56, verse 7, the Bible says, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem. I'll fill them with joy in my house of prayer. The church is a house of prayer. In Matthew, Jesus was at the temple and they had taken the temple and they were there just doing business. They were congregating at the temple. It, was, it had left the, the purpose of what God had called it to be and Jesus rebuked them. He said, the scriptures declare my temple is called a house of prayer, but you turn it into a den of thieves. The church is called to be a house of prayer. God honors a praying people and unfortunately, prayer meetings sometimes are the least attended meetings. We need to pray. Nothing happens without prayer. The Bible says, my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and repent from their wicked ways and pray, I will hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. How many want the land to be healed? I don't know about you, but I'm burdened for America. That's why we moved back here. Are you here? There's a lot of other places. They got a better tax system. They got other things going for them. But God has a plan for America. But it's not going to happen. If my people don't pray, if they don't repent, guess what? They're not going to hear from heaven and there's not going to be healing in the land. But on the contrary, God says, if my people will pray. And the church is a place of prayer when we come. We we want to pray. Starting in in January, the second Wednesday of the month, we're going to have second Wednesdays. And we're going to come together and it's going to be a prayer night. It's going to be a worship night. It's going to be a time we can invite people from the community and come and encounter God. You should get excited about that. Are you here? We're still going to have our connect groups, but once a month we're going to come together and we're going to pray and we're going to create a place where God can move and touch people and bring the sick, bring the, 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 the deaf, the blind, the, the spiritually deaf, spiritually blind. Come on, he heals spiritually, emotionally, physically. We want people to encounter the presence of God. The church is a house of prayer. In 2 Chronicles 6 verse 20, he said, May you watch over this temple day and night, the place where you have said you would put your name. May you always hear the prayers I make towards this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel as we pray in this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live. And when you hear, forgive. As we come together and we pray and we cry out, come on. If God can find five righteous, he'll heal the land. Come on, we got more than five people here. We got more than that. Come on, we got 160 people coming every week to pray, to hear God. We got more people tuning in online. Come on, one can put a 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. We've got enough powerhouse in this place and we're all coming to prayer to change our nation. Jesus had 12 disciples that turned the world upside down and he had one bad apple. Come on. What one backslider. But guess what? Paul came. And he began to revolutionize his world. Come on. There's enough power in the church to transform our world. The church in a time of prayer, what happens? We can come and 1 Peter 5 or 7 says, give all your worries and cares to God because he cares for you. Come on, as we come in a time of prayer, it's not just doing warfare. It's not just praying for what we want from God, but we can come and cast our cares on him. How many of you had some burdens when you walked in here this morning? I know I did. But come on, it's the end of the month. Rent's due. We got bills to pay. We got stuff going on. Christmas is coming. It's a, a lot going on in our businesses and we come in. But come on, when we come in that place of prayer, in that place of praise and worship, we can cast our cares upon him. 
download our burdens to him and know that God is fighting for us. Tell your neighbor, God's fighting for you. Second Chronicles 6 and verse 24, it says, Your people Israel, if they're defeated by their enemies because they've sinned against you and they turn back and acknowledge the na- your name and pray to you here in this temple, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and return them to this land that you gave to them as your ancestors. What is he saying? It's people are defeated and people are going through struggles and people are being defeated in life. Even God's people at times, we can come and find restoration. We can come and find healing. We can come and find revelation. David said that my feet were almost stumbled. When I looked at the unrighteous and I saw them prospering and I saw the way they were living and everything seemed to be okay, I began to doubt in my heart. He says, but I went to the house of the Lord and I received revelation and I knew the end of the story. He came and he heard the word of God that was a light and a lamp unto his path. Are you here this morning? Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, but those who trust in the Lord. Someone say, that's me. me. When we trust in the Lord, what happens? We'll find new strength. We'll soar on wings of eagles. We'll run and not grow weary. We'll walk and not faint. Come on. In the house of God, we all need prayer. We need ministry. We open up the altar. Why? Because we need a push sometimes. We need a place of agreement. We can come together with like-minded people of faith and agree together. And the Bible says we ask anything, two or three come together in agreement. Come on. It will be done for them. God is a God who still answers prayer. He's still a mountain-moving God. It's a place for our consecration. In 2 Chronicles 6.29, it says that if we pray about our troubles and sorrow and we raise our hands towards the temple, then they will hear from heaven where you live and forgive. Come on, God can pray. We can pray by ourselves. How many of you worship by yourself? Come on. How many of you read the word by yourself? But there's something different when you come together. I love that. But there's something together. That's what I said. You can't replace the coming together. Because it's in the mind of God. You know, I, I love sports. And, you know, you can go to a football game. But how many of you know going to a football game is much better than watching it on TV? Yeah. You know, they say baseball is our national sport. I hate baseball. Come on, it's the most boring game if you watch it on TV. But how many of you have ever been to a baseball game? Come on. When you get there, I fall out because the atmosphere, the music's going. People are shouting for the fans. You got the music, dun, 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 dun. And you know, you're getting all excited. Why? Because it's the experience that's there when you're there in the place and it's live. Come on, I can, you can watch music, you can listen to it, but it's different being at the concert. I went to a U2 concert a, a while back. And I always wanted to go, oh, don't look at me like that. Come on. <laughs> and sometimes they're more happening and more of a worship service than some churches are. Come on. They got the Atmos going. People are, oh, I don't know who they're praying to, but, but they're encountering music is spiritual. It's so much better being in person than just watching online. Are you here? And if you're watching online, we love you, but get in the church. Don't be a spectator. Come on. You can't online, you're spectating, but in person, you get to participate. You get to serve. You get to be active in worship. You get to be active in what's happening. Are you here? The church of God is a house of prayer. Number two, the church that God wants to build, the church that God wants to bless, must be a house for people. It's a house for people, it's not just a family where we're together, but come on, the family is still growing. God is concerned for people. He's concerned for the unchurched, and and Solomon calls that the foreigners. 
In 2 Chronicles 6, verse 32, he says, In the future, let foreigners who do not belong to your people, who don't know God, that they would hear of you, that they will come from distant lands when they hear of great names in your strong hand and your powerful arm, and when they pray towards this temple, you're also going to hear them where you live and grant what they ask of you. In this way, all the peoples of the earth will come to know and fear you just as your own people Israel too. They too will know that this temple I built honors your name. What happens when we build a church that honors God's name? We build a place where we come together. Come on, the nations will come. We saw some sparks of revival last year and, you know, there were some universities that were happening and people were coming from all over to go to the university and there, and there were so many people there that they had to shut it down because the town was too small. They didn't have enough bathrooms. They didn't have enough restaurants. They didn't have enough hotels and the infrastructure of the city could handle it. So they had to stop making the meetings public because just too many people were coming. Come on, when there's a move of God, people will come. Cindy Jacobs prophesied. She said the prophets will come from the nations to be a part of what God's gonna do in this house. Come on, I believe that, amen? Come on, when God's moving... People want to be a part. I've been in part of Moves of God. I flew just to Australia last year just for three days on the midst to Asia. It's a long trip to get there just to be part of a move of God. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't ministering, but I got ministered to, and I was a part because I want to see what God is doing. I want to taste and see what God's doing. Right, come on, God can move in the nations of the earth. It's not an American thing. It's not an Australian thing. Come on, it's not an African thing. It's not a European thing. It's not a Hispanic thing. Come on. God is a God who will move wherever people are hungry, wherever they honor him and honor his name. Let's be known for a place where people can encounter the presence of God. Let's be known for a place where there's the presence of God. Are you here? It's a place for us to gather. It's a place for the army of God to gather. We're we're a family. We're also an army. In verse 34, it says, if your people go out, where you send them to fight their enemies and they pray to you by turning towards the city you have chosen and towards this temple that I have built to honor your name. Then hear their prayers from heaven and uphold their cause. What is he saying? That there's covering. That when we're planning, when we're part of the house of God, when we go out, we go out with the covering. We go out with the anointing. We go out with the authority. Come on, and when we look back to our spiritual family that's praying, come on, that's what happened. We're called to be like an aircraft carrier. We come in and get fueled up, and guess what? We take off back into our workplace. We take off back to our school. Sometimes we take off into the nations. But we're connected in their spiritual covering and their strength to us as we're the army of God that God is fighting for us. We're not doing life alone. Don't allow yourself to be isolated. You look at the sheep. The sheep that gets eaten by the wolf is the one that went off from the, from the shepherd that went off from the group of people. And I've seen people, they leave and they're offended or something happened and they left church and they're not in church, they're doing nothing, they're not in the purpose of God, and they're getting, they look old, they look frail, their marriage is on the rocks, their finances are all right, because they left the protection, and they're getting taken out. Are you here? Now, I'm not saying some people leave church, and they move into another church, and they move into another season, but you got to be a part of a covering. Well, I don't need a, a covering. It's just me and Jesus. That's not the Bible. Come on, we all need a family. And so 
we, we can connect with God, yes, but God's not called us to be out on our own. God's called us to be connected where every joint supplies. And sometimes we feel weak. Sometimes as a pastor, I get a little bit weary at times. That's why the Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. But guess what? When I come in contact with you, or I come in contact with everyone, I'm encouraged by what God is doing. I'm encouraged by the faith of, of people that are coming and getting saved and getting plugged in and they're growing. I'm encouraged when I hear Yahira this morning came as an intimidated young student and now she takes the mic and preaches and, and Gwen didn't want to have any publicity. Don't let, I don't want anybody looking at me. Now she's up there going out of the screen and preaching to everybody. And, <laughs> See what's happening, Amanda, and different ones that God's raising up. Come on. It's great. It's encouraging when we see the growth and what God is doing in the family of God. And when one rejoices, we rejoice. When one travails, we travail together. That's the church. Amen? God is building a church. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of people. For people, excuse me. Number three, the church is a place of power. The church is a place of power. When he finished praying... What happened when they finished worshiping? When the people were there, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glorious presence of God filled it. The church is supposed to be a place of power. What's that word power? Again, it's the word dunamis. It's the release of, of who God is. And I love that when the power of God is there, the power is present to heal, the power is present to save, the power is present to deliver. That's what the power of God is, is, is that what we see salvation happening every week. We should be getting people saved because what are we doing? They connect with us and, and they can get saved and they come and meet the family and God continues the work. And I went to Australia and I got a prophecy in every session. Nobody knew who I was, but come on, there's power there, and God knows me, and, and God ministers to me, and, and God encourages me. Come on, it's a place to connect with God, not connecting with a man. We're just vessels, but connecting with the power of God. When we come, we want to see the power of God. As they worshiped, as they brought their offerings, we don't bring burnt offerings anymore, we bring our offerings. We bring our worship. We bring our praise. It's a sacrifice of praise sometimes. That's what God's looking for. But when we do that, come on, the power of God is released. The power of God, there was miraculous power. And God hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. The Holy Spirit will allow him. He wants to show off his glory. He wants to make Jesus look good. He wants people to experience the reality of Jesus. There was a manifest power. What does that mean? People could sense it. The Bible says that the glorious presence of the Lord, it filled the temple. There was the weight. The word glory is the weight of God. To where what? The weight of God was there that they could sense his presence. And the priest couldn't even minister because there was so much weight. And I love that when God shows up and his presence is here and he just takes over. He starts touching people. Sometimes you feel a little bit uncomfortable because there's things God's putting his finger on and he's saying, get it out of your life. Come on, lay it down at the altar. Sometimes we feel condemned and we think, I, I'm not good enough. I, God can't use me. God's so holy. No, Jesus gave his holiness, his righteousness to us. It's a gift. We can't earn it. 
Nothing we can do can cause him to love us more. Nothing we can do can cause him to love us less. But what does he want? A surrendered heart, a surrendered life. And I put this up for you. When a church is moving under the power and the approval of the Lord, there's no force under heaven that can stand in our way. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the living God. Sickness can't prevail. Jesus drove out sickness. The disciples drove out sickness. The believers drove out sickness through the power of God. If you're a believer, any believers here, wave at me. Come on. Come on. When you got power, you lay hands on someone. There's power. It's like connecting to the power socket. Have you ever done that? Put your finger in a power socket. Whoa. That should be you. And there's power that's released as you lay hands on, on someone, whatever. You believe. Don't pray some long-winded prayer. Oh, God in heaven. and you. What do you do? You just release the power. You have power on the inside of you, and you release the power. It's like someone plugging you know, their, their finger in the socket. If the same power that raised Christ on the dead is on the inside, you can release the power. And what happened? It flows. It dries out sickness. It dries out demons. Come on. It, it brings forth life into people. So we can lay hands. If you're a believer, it's not a pastor or apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. If you got Jesus living on the side of you, you got power. Come on, turn your neighbor and say, you got some power. Don't say, well, I'll bring you them to church to get saved. Don't get them saved. You got power to save. Come on, share your testimony. Tell people Jesus died. He rose from the dead. He ascended in heaven. He's coming back for you, but you got to surrender to him. Are you ready to do that? That's all you need to say. Tell your story. If someone's sick, well, I don't, oh, I need you to come to church this Sunday so Pastor Susan can pray for them. No, you can pray. If someone's uncomfortable, let me pray right now. And I take authority over every demonic influence right now in Jesus' name. You have that same power. If you're saved, you have the same power. Oh, the devil, the devil. No, the devil should be afraid of you. You shouldn't be afraid of the devil. The Bible said that the power of darkness was broken. He gave us the name. Above every other name, you have that name. Come on. It doesn't matter if you are a four foot seven police officer. When you have that badge and you have that gun and you say, stop a semi truck, we'll stop. Because you've got authority. It means something. You got the law behind you. I was in jury duty this week, you know, and got drafted. <laughs> so I was in the court and fulfilling my civic duty. But I, I stood in honor, like the respect for the judge and for the law. When the judge comes in, you keep quiet. You don't eat in front of the judge. You can't sleep. If you sleep, the bailiff will come and say, good morning. Why? Because there's an authority there. He represents the law. Are you here? And, and, and it shook me because, come on, we have Jesus who's the judge of all heaven and all earth. We need, to, we need to honor him. When we honor God, he'll show up. When we make room for the Holy Spirit, he's a gentleman. He doesn't take over and force himself on us. He's a gentleman. If we want him, if we're hungry, he moves. If we don't, he won't. Are you here? Presence of God is here. Come on, if you're sick in your body, there's a presence to heal you right now. If, if you need deliverance, there's a presence to heal you. Come on, if you need salvation... Come on, he's here to save right now. Come on, just begin to pray in his spirit. Come on, you're watching online. Come on, just begin to pray right now, wherever you are at. We thank you, God. 
thank you, God, that we're hungry for the move of your spirit, that you can do anything that you want to do, Lord. If you want to save, you can save. If you want to heal, you can heal. If you want to deliver, you can deliver. If you want to worship, you will worship. We make room for you right now. I'd like us to stand on our feet right now. I'd like every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. Come on, if you're here in this place and you know that your life's not right with Jesus, today he's here not to condemn you, but come on, he wants you to connect with his power. He wants to break the curse of sin over your life. He wants to break the things of your life that are holding you back, but he won't force himself on us. We have to surrender to him and say, Jesus, I need you. As we do that, his power will come into our life. He'll transform our life. The Bible says we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Every head's bowed, every eyes closed. No one's looking around, but I just sense the love of God in this place because God is concerned for people. Maybe you're watching online. God knows your name, even if you're not here in the building. But for those that are online, those that are here in this building, if you're here and you say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, I need him. I need a savior in my life. Jesus, would you come into my life and save me? Take away my sin. Break the curse over my life. Jesus, today I want to make you Lord of my life. I've been trying and I've been trying to do it my own way. But Jesus, I want you to take the wheel. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to lead me. I want you to reveal your purpose to me. I want you to give me the freedom so I can walk in freedom and Take away the torment over my life. Every head's bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you, you say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive him as Savior. I want to make him the Lord of my life. If that's you today, I want you to lift up your hand right now and just say, Jesus, come into my life right now. Come on, lift up your hand. I see that hand.